This morning, we're going to continue, jump back in in our study of the minor prophets. We took a break last week for uh, a little Christmas message. And this week, we're going to jump back in. And the timing of this minor prophet for this time of the year we're in and approaching a new year is especially relevant for us today. And so today, we're going to continue talking about minor prophets with major messages. And we're going to go to the next minor prophet in our study, and his name is Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is an amazing prophet. He's, his story is really unique. His writing is unique and his style is unique. And if you've been uh, following along and maybe reading through the minor prophets, you'll notice that I skipped over one, Nahum. And Nahum, we, we really covered really well when we talked about Jonah because Nahum also ministers to the people of Nineveh. And so we're going to go ahead and move to Habakkuk, whose message is especially timely for us today. And I believe that it's a word that we need to hear even now. Habakkuk is an interesting prophet. Like all of the other prophets, he was at a time in his ministry where he was speaking to the people and the need around him. But what's unique about Habakkuk's writing is Habakkuk is almost his writing is not so much a direct prophecy as it is an indirect prophecy, because really it's a conversation with God that's being recorded. You see really this long prayer throughout the three chapters listed of Habakkuk going back and forth with the Lord, wrestling with God in his questions. And it's a powerful book, and there's especially some powerful concepts we're going to learn. Like many of the other minor prophets, Habakkuk is prophesying at the end of the divided kingdom of Judah. And he's beginning to speak into, once again, the wickedness of the kings. If you go through and you read 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, you'll see the kings began to take on some practices that were utterly rebellious to the Lord. They disobeyed the Lord. They did all of their own things. They didn't listen to the Lord, and they, they, their hearts were turned against God. And Habakkuk was once again, like the other minor prophets, he was beginning to call it out. He was beginning to say, Lord, what are you going to do about this? He was asking questions. Lord, how are you going to get justice here where there is great evil in the land? And many believe that Habakkuk was prophesying, especially to the king Jehoiakim, whose practices were very unrighteous and evil in the sight of the Lord. But his, this writing is an interesting style because of his conversation. But one of the things that's really unique about Habakkuk's writing, which is going to be really help us today, I believe, is that Habakkuk is prophesying at what it could be considered at this in-between time. You know what I mean? That in-between time where you leave this one point of time and you have to wait to get to the next point of time. And there's not really anything major happening, but he's just kind of in a holding pattern and waiting. That's what Habakkuk is doing in his time of prophesying as he's at this in-between time. Nothing major is happening, but there's a lot of questioning going on. There's a lot of looking and anticipating and wondering and waiting. And it's especially relevant for us today in the time of history that we're in in our world of not knowing what is going to come and not knowing what is going to happen in the future. There is, and you'll see in Habakkuk's writing, there is an overwhelming sense of uncertainty, pondering what is going to happen about the future. 
Don't we all do that, right? We always put our minds on the future. We wonder, what's going to happen? What's next? What's coming? In a way, it, it helps us to be prepared mentally, right? When something comes, we're emotionally prepared as well. But Habakkuk was, in a way, learning to wait and trust in the Lord. And so we're going to read here today Habakkuk's writing at the beginning of Habakkuk chapter 1. Verse 2, and you're going to see Habakkuk beginning to pray and wrestling with God in his questions. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not listen. Have you ever felt like that before? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see all of this wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention. Arise, so the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. Now look at this as the Lord begins to respond to Habakkuk's questions. He says, look at the nations and see. Be astonished, be astounded, for a work is being done in your days that you would not believe even if, it you, were, if you were told. We see Habakkuk beginning to question the Lord. And Habakkuk's style of prayer is really helpful for us. That it teaches us that it's okay to go to the Lord and ask questions. It's okay to say, Lord, when are you going to come? It's okay to wrestle with the Lord in prayer. And that's what Habakkuk is doing. Is He's looking around and he's seeing the evil in the land. And he's wondering, God, when are you going to do something about this? I'm kind of tired of looking at it is what he says. But then the Lord stops him and says, a work is being done in your days that you would not believe if you were told. A work is being done in your days that would not be if you were told. Habakkuk's message is ultimately this. Trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Even when you look around and you can't figure it all out, trust God. Even when you look at the future and it looks uncertain, trust God. Even when he stood up and he looked at the king and he saw everything the king was doing and he said, man, I don't know what to do about this guy, trust God. And it's an ultimately a, re a prayer of wrestling with God's timing. And you're going to see these questions that go back and forth that I believe speak to us even today. The question that Habakkuk started all of this off with was, how long? How long? Have you ever asked the Lord that question? How long? Asking him in prayer, how long, Lord, till you're going to provide? How long, Lord, am I going to be sick? How long is this pandemic going to go on? How long, how long, how long, how long? It's all about timing, right? We're a people of time. Especially us in the Western Hemisphere, we're a people of time. I have noticed as I have worked with other cultures around the world that most, uh, most cultures tend to have a relaxed view of time, but Americans have a very charged view of time. We're on time all the time. Being late is not acceptable. You can even get fired for being late, right? Time is very perceived very highly, but God's timing is often very different. God's timing is different. God's timing is unusual. I often like to say that we like God to be a microwave God, but the truth is, is he's an oven-baked God. He likes to take a long time. It's a process of learning. It's a slow cook. It's not the, the hot pocket you put in the microwave. It's the slow roasting in the oven. 
And that's the way God works. But God's timing, I want to tell you today, is perfect. Even in a pandemic that seems to linger and go on for a long time, God's timing is perfect. Habakkuk was asking questions about timing. And notice your life and my life. We eat, we sleep, we get ready for our days, we might exercise, we might watch TV. All of the kind of mundane moments of life, if you will. But the memories that we have, the things that we remember best are the landmarks of life, right? It's, the, it's rarely the in-between time. It's rarely getting ready in the morning that we remember 10 years from now, right? It's the landmarks. It's the thing that you got ready for. It's the thing that you were preparing for. It's the in-between time. We rarely remember those moments. It's the vacation that you remember. It's the gathering with families, that special thing you did with a friend. It's It's a job promotion. It's a graduation. It's a a marriage. It's a, a new child. All of those things are landmarks of life that we remember. But it's rarely the in between moments of life that we remember. Some have said best that we often see the highlight reels of others lives, but we rarely see the in between chapters of everybody's life. And that kind of gives us a a heart that wants to rush to the next landmark of life. But it's the in-between time, it's the mundane things that is important to prepare us for those greater moments of life. And that is what the Lord was trying to tell Habakkuk. He was looking for the Lord to show up instantly, to come on the scene and do something about their situation right in that moment. But notice what the Lord told him. A work is being done in your days. In the in-between time, Habakkuk, in the time that doesn't make sense, in the time where it feels mundane, it feels irrelevant, a work is being done in your days. That teaches us something about God's timing is that God is an active God. God, the Bible says, is not one that slumbers or sleeps. He's an active God. He's always at work. Think about God for a moment. He's got all of these people all over the world that he's looking after, working after, but yet he does it without a care in the world. He sits on a throne high and lifted up. He sees everything that's happening around the world. But can I tell you something? He's not sweating bullets. He's fully in control and capable. He's seated right there with Jesus making intercession for you and I. God is an active God. He's always at work. And I want to tell you today that his plan is without delay. His plan does not come late. His plan does not come a moment later than we anticipated. It comes right on time. Even when we don't think it's on time, his plan works right on time. And oftentimes, instead of rushing through the in-between space, you know, that little space in between the moments of life, instead of rushing through it, the the Lord was trying to teach Habakkuk to understand that it's the in-between space that the best work is done. It's often the work that is most discounted, but it's the work that is most critical, that in-between space that we want to skip over and rush through. But that is when the most important work is being done. And so he told him, a work is being done in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Isn't that amazing that God is so great and so mighty that what seems boring to us is God's most exciting work. What seems mundane to us is the most incredible moments of God's work. And I've noticed this, that we, we often kind of go through this 
phase in our lives, wrestling with God's timing. We wrestle through this, but Habakkuk slowly began to come to a place where he could trust God's timing. Even in our modern day, in the modern church, I've noticed and seen and observed among many believers that there's this uh, interesting kind of hunger for prophecy, wanting to know the future, wanting to know what's happened. And oftentimes people put their ears up to people who say they're prophesying about what's going to happen next and looking towards direction and looking and saying, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? But Habakkuk was learning that even when you don't know what's going to happen next, you can learn to trust God right now. Even when I can't see to tomorrow is tomorrow's outcome. I can say right now without a shadow of a doubt that God is faithful. God is good. And and I can trust him regardless of what is going to come. And that was what Habakkuk was learning to do, is that you don't have to know the future in order to trust him. That you can learn enough about this moment right now to trust God and believe him. My knowledge about God's plans are not indicative of his plans being fulfilled. His plans are going to be fulfilled regardless. And I don't have to know everything God's up to. I don't even believe we could if we wanted to. God is up to a great work even now. And what the Lord wants from us, even in this season of preparing for a new year, is learning to trust him right now. Learning to take every moment right now to trust him. When I don't know what's going to happen next week, next month, next year, I'm just going to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you right now. Now, and that was the process Habakkuk went on. And I want to show you how it changed his perspective. It changed his life and it shifted the way he began to think and trust the Lord. Habakkuk had these two responses that he recorded in the in-between time. And number, the first one I want to show you is in Habakkuk chapter 2. I want to read this to you. Habakkuk chapter 2. As he began to question the Lord, looking, wondering what was going to happen, he says this. I will stand at my watchpost and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Here's a verse that you might recognize. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time and it speaks of the end and does not lie. And if it seems to tarry, watch what he says, if it seems to be delayed, if it seems like it hasn't come yet, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Habakkuk's first response was this. I will wait. I will wait. I will wait. I will keep watch. I will stay here with anticipation and expectation of what the Lord is going to do next. I will wait. But notice that Habakkuk, he is not just being lazy. He's not just wasting time. He is actively waiting. He's not standing idly by, but he gives himself to listen and expect and I want you to learn something today. We talk about waiting a lot, but here is something that I've learned from Habakkuk, that Habakkuk is actively waiting. Actively waiting is not laziness. It's waiting with anticipation and expectation for what the Lord is going to do. It's saying that even though I don't see what's going to happen next, I will anticipate and know that the Lord has a great work that he's going to do, but I will wait for it. One writer said it this way, that his waiting prepares him to receive an answer. 
It's getting his heart in the right response. It's getting his heart ready for what God is going to do next. The writer went on to say that confidence that God's plans are right, beneficial and reliable, even when they don't seem to make sense, is more sustaining than a detailed knowledge of God's plan. Waiting for God is never futile. The vision will not fail to arrive in its due time. Even if it seems to tarry, even if it seems to delay, wait for it. Don't we all love waiting? We love waiting, right? We, that's, that's why we go to restaurants on the most busiest days of the week so we can wait, right? We can sit there 45 minutes. There's nothing like waiting, right? But waiting does something good for our hearts. And Habakkuk learned that, that waiting taught him a lot about where he was at right now and not, not, not so much about where he was going. It taught him that even now, right in this moment, that might seem mundane, it might seem like an in-between space, I can trust God. I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I have no clue. I'm blind to the future, but I can trust God. I have no clue what's coming, but I am, oh, I am just satisfied to be content and trusting in God. And waiting is a demonstration of faith. And that's exactly what Habakkuk did. His faith was beginning to be revealed as he waited. Secondly, you'll notice the second response that Habakkuk did in Habakkuk chapter three. It says this. He began to talk about the, the fruits and the trees. And he says, though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines. Look, he was looking. He couldn't see anything coming. He said, the, though the produce of the olive fails and the field, it doesn't give any food. The flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls. Notice what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he makes me tread upon the heights. Habakkuk's second response, in addition to I will wait, is this. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. You see, the, this second one is really kind of dependent upon the first one. When you get in your mind that it's okay to wait and you can trust God to wait where you're at, then you can discover the benefit and the joy of being able to rejoice in the Lord because it's a really a second demonstration of faith when you're waiting to say, it's okay. I don't have to rush to the next thing. I can trust God right now. And in the meantime, I will rejoice in the Lord. And Habakkuk painted the picture for us. He looked, he couldn't see any fruit. The fields were empty. There was no harvest in the moment. But yet he said, nonetheless, I will rejoice in the Lord. Notice this is that Habakkuk's praise, his response to the Lord was not based on circumstances. It was not based upon what was happening in the moment. His praise was based upon God's faithfulness and who God was in himself. When your joy and your praise is fixated upon the Lord, your faith cannot be inhibited. And that was what Habakkuk was learning, that even when it seemed like a desert, even when it seemed like a dry season, and you're wondering what is going to happen here? Where are we going next? What is going to happen in the future? He said, it's all right. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is my strength, not the fruit of the vine, not the field, not the people around me. The Lord is my strength. And so he declared, I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm learning in my own life and all of us, I think, to be to try to take away my attachment of my worship to the Lord 
being based upon circumstances. I've noticed that, right? It's easy. We're kind of trained like that as children, that when somebody gives us something, we say thank you, and that's correct. But we're not really trained so much that when somebody doesn't give us something, to say thank you anyways. We're not trained to say to our parents, even when they don't give us something, to say, you're a good parent. We're not trained that when things just are mundane, that's the in-between, to say thank you for all that you do for me. We're not really trained that way. But that is what Habakkuk was learning. And I'm learning in my own life to take away the praise for the Lord that I give him being based upon circumstances and situation and make it based upon his faithfulness and who he is. That changes our perspective. That moves us away from being a people that put our attachments and our things that we cling to being on circumstances. And it helps us to cling to the Lord and who he is. And that's exactly what Habakkuk did. He said in his heart, I will wait and I will worship. Isn't that the beautiful response of the in-between time? Instead of trying to jump from chapter to chapter, take the pages and in between the lines to just wait and worship. And Habakkuk was learning that. He was learning that God does a work at the in-between time that even if we were told, we wouldn't understand. It's an incredible work, and it's a mighty work. I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and I want to leave you with this last bit of Habakkuk's message. We talked about, in our last study on the minor prophets, we talked about the, how Micah began to change and shift. We're, there's 12 minor prophets. We've gone through six of them. We skipped Nahum, and now we're at minor prophet number eight in the order that they're listed in the Bible. And it's interesting to me as I've been studying through the minor prophets that there's this change that begins to happen in the language of the prophets. The beginning prophets talked about the judgment and the impending destruction that was going to come upon them if they did not repent and turn to the Lord. But the prophets towards the latter part of the 12 minor prophets, they begin to change their hearts and prayer. And they begin to say some prayers to the Lord, as we talked about with Micah, that indicate a longing for revival. A longing for revival. The prophet Micah talked about revival in Hezekiah's day. He talked about Hezekiah listened to the Lord and he obeyed. And a revival came upon the land in a mighty way. But Habakkuk likewise talks about the longing for Revival. What is revival? You might have your own picture of revival based upon how you were brought up in a certain tradition or background and all of that is. But really, revival is this. It's a spiritual awakening. It's a spiritual awakening from this slumber that we often can get in as believers. When we go through the mundane in-between of life where we fall asleep on God's plans and in essence, we grow kind of this lukewarmness, this kind of state of slumber. And Habakkuk talks about this longing for a revival. He says this in Habakkuk chapter three. Oh, Lord, I have heard of your renown and I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. And in our own time, revive it, revive it. In our own time, revive it. As I thought about this idea of revival, it's certainly something we need in our world today. All around us, we need revival in our hearts. All of us as believers, starting with me here today. 
We need a spiritual awakening to God's move away from our slumber and into the active anticipation and waiting that Habakkuk had. I was reminded of a story in the book of Acts that Paul, he was preaching a sermon one day. The Bible says he had stayed late in a town and he had been preaching a long time and discussing with them the Bible. And the Bible tells the story about a young man named Eutychus. And Eutychus decided that uh, maybe like many young men that, you know, he was going to be brave and sit on the window seal and listen to that sermon. And as he listened to that sermon given in Acts chapter 20, the Bible says Paul went on and on probably like I'm doing here today. Paul went on and on. And Eutychus did this number. He couldn't keep his eyes open. He began to do the nod, the holy nod, right? It began to drift and drift and drift. Well, finally, the next thing they knew, Eutychus fell out the window and died, landed on the ground and died as he was listening to the word of the Lord coming from Paul. But Paul, being in the spirit that he was in and the anointing of the Lord, he went down and said, this man's not dead. And he picked him up and scooped him back up. And the man came to life, brought him back to life. I've often wondered that if you read that story in the book of Acts, it's kind of a random story really in the the fold of the story, but it gives us a perspective about revival. That oftentimes the word of the Lord can be proclaimed and God can be speaking to us in a moment, but it's so easy to fall into a slumber, a lukewarmness, staleness in our faith where reading the Bible is no longer exciting and praying is no longer life-giving. It's just something we do habitually and out of tradition. But when the Lord used Paul to bring back Eutychus, I want to tell you something. I bet he came back different. I bet that was the last time he fell asleep in church, right? He came back changed. He came back impacted. And listen, he probably woke up with a new perspective. He probably woke up knowing that he was dead and he came back to life again. And see, when somebody is dead and comes back to life again, you see things differently. You appreciate the life that you have a little bit more. You understand the power of new beginnings. No more mediocre. No more lukewarm. I want to make the most of what I've been given. I don't want to fall asleep on God's plan for my life. I want to be awakened to all of the greatness that God has for me. And even when it doesn't make sense, and even when you're standing at that moment of the in-between space, I'm not going to fall asleep on God's plan, but I'm going to be faithful to serve the Lord, trust him. I will wait and I will worship. Eutychus basically learned this, that he had to get away from spiritual slumber to thriving spirituality. He had to get away from falling asleep on God's plans and constantly being alert to the great things God was going to do. And ultimately, he learned the message of Habakkuk. Trust God even when it doesn't make sense. And in this new year that we're approaching, that we're coming to, let it be our heart that God would revive us. Listen, if a revival is ever going to spread across the world, it will start with each of us individually. It will start in the heart of all of us today. When we get awakened to God's plan, then we can expect revival to move around us in our community, in our state, country, and world. It always starts with you and I. 
never with the people around us, right? It starts in our heart. And that's what we have to be is awakened to God's plan. And in the prayer of Habakkuk, in our own time, revive it. I want to tell you today, it's time for revival, a spiritual awakening. I've been preaching to myself this week. Charlie, you need to get out of your slumber. You've been sleeping on the Lord a little bit. Wake up. See, expect God, live with faith, anticipating the next great thing God is going to do. Don't just go through the mundane habits of life and just kind of coast through. No, live with an anticipation and expectation like uh, Habakkuk. I will stand at my watch post. I'm not going to abandon. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to be faithful right here where I've been planted. And I'm going to expect I'm looking for the next thing God is going to do. Living by faith, trusting God, even when it doesn't make sense. You want revival? I do. Would you stand with me this morning? The choir is going to come. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. You say to me, Charlie, I'm, I'm at the space of the in-between. Listen, all of us are but you can't get from point A to point B without going through the in-between, right? That's the definition of a line is it connects two dots. And that's the same with life. So we don't just show up in the next season of life. We have to go through the in-between like Habakkuk. We have to learn to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Even when you look around and you can't understand it all. Even when we're looking through this world right now and looking and observing and seeing everything that's happening. It doesn't make sense. Lord, what's going to happen? Who knows? But listen, Habakkuk had to learn this, that even though I can't see into tomorrow, God is faithful enough for me to trust him right now. And I'm going to anticipate revival. In your own time, Lord, in our own time, revive us, Lord. Breathe fresh breath into us, Lord. Don't let us sink into a spiritual slumber in the in-between that we miss out on God's plan. No, Lord, keep us awake to all the great things you're going to do. We're anticipating a move of God like never before. We will stand at our watch posts. We're not going to abandon this place, Lord. We're going to be faithful and serving and loving and giving, Lord. That's who you've called us to be. The Lord rewards faithfulness. And that's what he's looking for from his church is will you be faithful that even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't all add up, just trust him. And Lord, today we just say in our hearts, would you help us to trust you? Maybe we're like Habakkuk. We're asking questions. How long this or that? All of this, Lord, all of us, we have our own stories. But Lord, would you help us right now to trust you? I can believe you. Lord, I have no clue what's coming tomorrow, Lord. But right now, Lord, I know you're a faithful God. You have shown yourself and proven yourself to be. So, Lord, would you help us to take our faith off of the world and put our faith in Jesus today? Lord, would you help us to let go of circumstances and situations that we've been holding on to and just put our whole hands upon you and trust you instead? I'm going to worship you right now, Lord. In the meantime, I'm going to wait and I'm going to believe you today. And Father, I want to pray for those who are in a season of waiting. 
like many of us are. I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't grow weary. They wouldn't fall asleep during their waiting. But Lord, that you would keep us anticipating great things with your plans coming. Do not tarry. It will come. It will happen, your word promises. So Lord, let us hold on to that today. Father, I thank you for your word today. I receive it today. I receive it along with the body of Christ globally, that in your time, God, you will fulfill your work. And we wait with anticipation, with expectation for great things that are coming. Revival in our hearts, a move of your spirit. We stand and wait today, Lord. Now, God, speak to us today in Jesus' name. You need to pray. You need God to revive you today. Would you just call to him today in your own way? Ask him questions. Kneel, lift a hand. But let's take a moment and seek the Lord while the choir sings. Pursue after him. Don't get tired in this season. Let your faith be renewed by the Holy Spirit.